It is great to be back talking Formula One. We had to take a break last week, um, and we'll get into the details why and exactly what happened at Emilia Romano. Um, but welcome to Track This. My name is Craig Yang. You're joining me today is Avon Middleton, and we're talking all things Formula One. Avon, welcome to the show. It is good to be back. I feel like we were really looking forward to a lot of Formula One back-to-back race meetings. Um, and I think we were all preparing for the craziness that was going to come with three back-to-backs. Um, and then, obviously, um, Emilia Romano, the, the region um, had extreme flooding. And the, the Formula One team and the FIA decided that, you know what, they were going to call up the race. I think in hindsight, looking back now, it was probably the best decision that they could have made, Avon. Yeah, I think it was. I, I don't, having looked into it and looked at how much damage was caused, I quite frankly, they, they, it wouldn't be possible to have a race in the first place. Um, but I also think, of course, you know, the damage was so severe and the effects to that northern area of Italy was so severe that... You know, cancelling a race was one thing, but I think also then the whole community of Formula One, and not just Formula One, in fact, the the whole automotive community, racing community, stepping in to pledge money and resources to helping has also been pretty nice to see. So we know that Formula One donated a million euros or a million uh, yeah euros. We also what I what I found you know, and a number of automotive. Companies that were kind of born there or founded there have also donated money. And I also saw yesterday that uh, Lamborghini uh, donated uh, some money there to to help as well. So, you know, it's good to see the world getting involved and, and helping, but it, it's a sad, sad reality. And the damage is crazy just to see the, the infrastructure damaged, the roads damaged, um, people having lost their lives. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. And, you know, whilst we can lament not having a Formula One race, this is a much, this is a much bigger problem. Um, also, the fact that if you had to look at it, we, they would have had, what, 100,000 people or whatever the case in coming into that region and already putting strain on, you know, emergency services and, and support systems that were already in place to save the people of the region. Um, and I think that, like you said, Formula One made the greatest decision. The unfortunate thing is it looks like the race is not going to be postponed. Um, it's going to unfortunately be cancelled from the calendar. So that means that we're not going to be having, um, you know, that race or this race happening in 2023. Um, it is sad, but it is what it is. And I think it's it's for the greater good of the people of the region. Um, and it, it, it was a great decision that Formula One made. And they made it as soon as they possibly could. And then to see the drivers get involved. I mean, we saw um, Yuki Tsunoda uh, cleaning up and stuff like that and helping the teams and the factories. And, and that was also really great to see. Yeah, as I said, the whole community coming together was amazing. But you know what I'm looking forward to? I, I feel like coming out of that dreaded COVID and how the world has changed and how we see things, I'm looking forward to next year's Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix where, you know, hopefully they will be, you know, some sort of commemoration of the time. Yeah. We'll get to we'll get to look back at the infrastructure that's rebuilt. I mean, I know I'm dreaming and I know this is, you know, it's entirely dependent on, on what they can achieve in the next year, but you know, it would be great to see the race come back and to celebrate sort of its return, if that makes sense. Let's move on to some news, something that's come out today 
was Honda has decided that they are going to be making their return to Formula One, and this time with Aston Martin. Yeah, you know, we've got to, this was interesting for me, just in terms of how Honda's just left. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, bye, we're here again, woo! (laughs) Yeah, it's a strange strategic move. You know, when they left, we thought it was strange because they had also not been back, quote unquote, for, for that long. And so if I remember correctly, strategically, it was around, you know, focusing on new energy, focusing their efforts on, on, on that part of the business, and motorsport didn't fit that strategy. And now, literally, what is it? Is it even, it's not even two years later, they're announcing that they're coming back in 2026. And I think that has part partly to do with the regulation changes that will come about in 2026. Um but I also think, and this is simply me speculating, I think they've seen how much they've lost in not being in Formula One and how much uh, exposure and brand exposure there is to gain in the sport, which is now a top four sport in the whole world. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't I don't quite I don't quite get it and I don't quite get why they're back and forthing on this. But I think perhaps 2026 is about coverage and exposure but then it's also about the regulation changes which then maybe they can say you know because the regulations are changing and there's a bit more of a shift to carbon neutrality and new energy that it makes more sense for them but yeah very strange look what it means for the sport (laughs) i laughed at the fact that it's aston martin i'm not sure fernando alonso will still be there I don't know. Do you think Fernando will still be there in 2026? I'm of the opinion that he won't. I think Fernando is in his final sort of big play at the moment. And um, yeah, so we'll, so we'll see. Uh, him and Honda don't have great uh, um, history. But um, yeah, it's interesting. 2026 is going to be an interesting season. We're going to have Ford on the grid. We're going to have Audi on the grid. And we're going to have Honda back in Formula One. Do you think that Honda's only going to do the deal with Aston Martin? Do you see them creeping back into some of their previous previous teams? Look, I think the race for um, engine or powertrain supply is is a competitive one. And I certainly think they'll be looking to capitalize on more than just one team. You know, ultimately it's about it's about profit and it's about exposure. You know, the more cars that have that Honda badge on them, the better it is for them. And I think hopefully they'll be quite competitive, a bit more competitive than, you know, when they started in this in this uh, decade anyway, um, or this last decade. So, yeah, I think I think they'll be looking to capitalize on that. And as I said, it's open season in 2026. You know, it's, it's time to get your entries in now and get contracts signed now. But I do think they'll be looking at getting that badge on more and more cars. Okay, so Honda makes the return, coming back, their redemption, let's call it. Because if um, Daniel Ricciardo could call Monaco his redemption, I'm sure Honda can call 2026 their redemption. Um, But let's talk about what's currently happening. A lot of news came out that, you know, Mercedes was bringing massive upgrades in Imola. They really wanted to, to push... Um, some new features that the car was going to kind of be updated and faster and bring the fight to the Red Bulls. And then obviously, Imola didn't happen. Now, those upgrades, Toto is saying they're not really 
going to go with them for this race. They're not going to be beneficial for this race. They probably aren't even going to give them exactly what they want because the upgrades aren't suited to a track like Monaco. Yeah, so I think Emilia-Romagna was supposed to be a test bed for for upgrade for upgrades, not just for Mercedes, but I think for a number of teams. And of course, that track is really a yardstick for a number of tracks that we're going to be going to after Monaco. So Spain being one of them, uh, you know, it's 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 a much better test bed for what's coming this season. Monaco is the kind of anomaly, you know, it's the misnomer in this really big calendar that we have. And so, yeah, you know, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. You know, Monaco has a very specific setup. It has its own unique set of, of uh, you know, of technical um, expectations. And so, in a sense, you know, what he's saying is everything we planned for Imola, we're going to have to try to unlock in the races beyond that. So, you know, I get it. I get it. Uh, everyone, everyone seems to want Mercedes to bring an upgrade that's going to completely turn the team around. But I, I think Monaco is certainly not going to be that that race. Monaco is about one lap pace. If you can do it in one lap, then you're onto the money. And I think given the last five races, we're looking at Charles Leclerc, we're looking at Red Bulls, you know, uh, who have a chance. Merck is certainly not one that springs to mind. And I don't think any upgrade is going to do that, particularly around Monaco, where you just, you can't make mistakes. So hopefully we'll see what Mercedes upgrades have done, you know, come Spain, come Canada, come Austria. So if we had to take a look back, obviously Miami is a little bit further away from us at the moment than we'd hoped it would be. Um, and if you have to kind of stretch, I know it's really hard to stretch your memory back to that race. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it was a great performance from Red Bull and we expected them to come out of the gates gun blazing and that's exactly what they did in Miami. Look, we've said this, I think, so many times this season. There really are, you know, there really are a, a team unto their own at the moment and really Miami was about the battle of the Red Bulls. You know, it was, it was is it going to be Checo? You know, or is it going to be Max? And I think, I, you know what? I think ultimately, Max's strategy was was better. And what was really impressive was just how that car and Max managed their their tires and their degradation. And that's what, to me, makes a really good Formula One car. You can be quick in a straight line, great. You can be quick in the corners, great. But how do how does the whole package? degrade your tires that's that's a big thing and that's something that we've seen throughout the eras of formula one cars that manage their tires well and drivers of course um that's where that's where the strategy comes into play i remember you know jensen button springs to mind and just how he was just a, able to manage tires in that um in that uh oh my word that brawn you know <laughs> uh, and that was the difference between him and um rubens barrichello at the time yeah. You know, and what we're seeing now with this Red Bull is the same thing. Is It's quick where it needs to be quick. But once you have a car that manages tires so well, then ultimately your strategists can do whatever they want. Yeah. And that's why Checo was on strat one and Max was on strat two. And ultimately they both came home one and two, but Max Max uh, was on top. And I mean, I'm sure you remember. I mean, he was he was on a totally different planet when he overtook Checo. Just so much faster. Do you think that we're now going to start seeing 
those little sparks start flying properly between Max and Checo because they're getting a lot closer in terms of points and we're getting down to the point where now we need to get serious about accumulating those points towards your championship at the end of the year. Yeah, you know what? I I don't know. What I found interesting with Miami is Checo was very respectful of Max's performance. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, as well as as well as that side of the garage. You know, he was very much like, you know what, guys, you did a better job. Well done. You know, he, he, it wasn't the usual kind of I'm irritated that I came second. Yes. <laughs> and I and I think what's going to happen going forward is ultimately whoever wins needs to win entirely on merit, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, so I, and so I think Checo just needs to. He's got to just beat Max on track. He's got to beat Max in qualifying, and he's got to beat Max. On the track, so so that doesn't just mean Checo; it also means strategy. It also means you know both sides of the garage is essentially working against each other. So I do think at some point sparks are going to fly, particularly when when and if the points start becoming you know if they continue to be relatively close. You know Max has it at the moment, and he's pulling a, a small lead. But if, for instance, Checo wins the next two races, and I mean he won Monaco last year. And he drove incredibly well. So there's no reason to think that he won't do it again this year. So if he does win Monaco, you know, then we're back at this kind of neck and neck situation. And yeah, between you and I, I hope, I hope that happens. You know, I hope there's guns blazing and (laughs) and F-bombs flying in the garage. You know, I really do because that's what we need to see. It's the only battle we're going to see this year, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) no one is going to bring the fight to Red Bull. And with 14 points between Max and Sergio, I think it's, 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 you know, I love inter-team battles. There's always so much drama Mm. and there's almost so much issues and catfighting. And I think we we, we need to see it. 14 points. And we get to see the real character of people. Exactly. Plus, Checo has been named the unofficial street king. And Monaco is a street track. And like you said, with his win last year, he's going into it a hell of a lot more confident, I would imagine, than Max. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And you've got to look at the points. He, he just he can't afford to give another, you know, five points, you know, to 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 Max. You know, so if he wins, he'll be he'll be closer. He'll have three wins apiece. You know, he'll be slightly down on podiums if Max comes second, that is. So you know, three wins, three wins, that's looking good. And then, of course, he's got to just keep it consistent. But, yeah, it's Monaco is, you know, anything can happen in Monaco. But, I, look, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. He's certainly proven it this year. So yeah. let, the, let the president, you know, rule. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk Monaco because it's probably the you know, most, most prestigious event. If anyone talks about Formula One, the fir- if you someone who maybe don't doesn't even know about Formula One, the first race that comes to mind is Monaco. It's kind of like the jewel in the cap, the most famous race. Um, and it's always, for me, the most boring race of all because I always feel like Sunday is one in qualifying. If you can put yourself on the front of the grid on a Saturday, you are going to inevitably win the race on a Sunday. And I know you're going to argue with me about this. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to argue with half of it. Look, I've been very fortunate to attend Monaco in this, you know, this, this turbo hybrid era. And you're right. It is certainly the most elaborate, you know, fancy, 
you know, event. It, it really is an event that I find everybody wants to be there. And it's about the social aspect of it. It's about the yachts. It's about the money. It's about the glitz and the glamour and the parties. There's like a party, you know, the whole time. And everybody wants to be there. And, it's, and, and I think that that eclectic atmosphere is great. It's great in terms of the history of the sport. It's great in terms of, you know, that, uh, what's the word, the prestige of Formula One. Mm. You know, I think it stems from Monaco. But I, uh, the other thing, you could, Monaco as a, you know, as a country is that event is so important to them. You know, and I, I watched a documentary recently on how important it is and how much money they've laid out just to keep that event there. And I'm sure you want to talk about it. It's it's again rearing its head of, of is Monaco still, you know, a race that should be on the calendar? Yeah. The cars are too big. You know, they haven't they haven't innovated. They haven't changed the layout of the track to suit the cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, but I think I think in terms of that prestige, my opinion is Monaco has to stay. You know, when they speak about Formula One and saying, if Ferrari's not in Formula One, it's not Formula One. <laughs> I think Monaco is the same. What I think the problem is, though, is there needs to be some changes. And I've looked at a couple of, you know, there's some layout changes that people have suggested. There's certain areas where they, you know, you know I've asked if they could widen, you know, the road slightly. And I think that's the discussion we need to be having. It's not a case of whether or not Monaco. It's a case of how to make it better to suit the modern Formula One car. Because, you know, the Formula One era or this this turbo hybrid era, which is why the cars are bigger, is not going to change. You know, mm -mm. Um, I think the technology is just not there to have a car that is smaller with the powertrain requirements that a modern Formula One car needs. So the cars are not going to get smaller anytime soon. So something needs to happen with where we race and how we race. And I think Monaco needs to start doing that work. I'm sure they have already started, but that's that for me is the the question is how Monaco, not whether or not Monaco. Well, look, we've got three years of a contract that's been signed, essentially. The race will still continue for three years. So by that time, yeah. obviously, all the changes in 2026 would have come in. And like you say, they have the opportunity to make the changes. Um, would I like the race to be replaced from a pure entertainment value for the viewer? Yes, because <laughs> I'm really looking forward to my Sunday nap because I know I'm going to have one this week. Um, oh. But I do agree with you. The prestige is there and the awesomeness is there. I would love to attend an, a Monaco Grand Prix. I'm very jealous that you have. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that something, I agree with you, something needs to be done, something has to be changed, some excitement has to be injected into the race somehow. Um, and I know you have the pointers. Where do you, where do you, where do they suggest they're going to make the changes on the track? So I've seen a couple of circuit layouts where they, they actually extended into other streets, which was, you know, one of the options. So they actually make the track, the, the track slightly longer. But then, um, I mean, you know, I'd need to look at it again on a layout. But mm. essentially, if I remember correctly, coming out of the tunnel, they wanted to widen that because that is still the mm. place where you could possibly overtake. Um, so so they, they want to widen that. And then if I remember correctly, there's a section by the swimming pool where they were talking of widening that section as well. If I look at it from a Google map, I'm going, 
How? I don't know. Are we going into the ocean? Are we making them into hovercrafts? <laughs> so funny enough, one of one of the kind of crazy suggestions was to actually build a bridge that goes across the ocean, uh, you know, and goes from one part of of Monaco to the other. And obviously, that's really elaborate, and that's obviously not a that's probably a ten year plan. You know, um, but yeah, you know, yeah, I I I do believe it's got to be it's got to be kept. And I, I just on the podcast, I just want to encourage you. There's a film called Le Film. Obviously, it's French, <laughs> um, but it's but it's it's a film about the history of Monaco. It's about a twenty, I think it's like twenty three minutes. But if you watch it, and I'd encourage you to watch it, you really get an insight into why this race is so important. And you know, this race started out of you know the car club of in Monaco just wanting to be recognized, and so after being battered from every car club in France and everywhere else, they decided, well, the only way you're going to be recognized is if you have a race, you know, from your region. And that's why this thing was born. So, you know, the prestige came much later and, and that's, it's a great story. So yeah, I just encourage you to read it. I mean, watch no it. You watch it. I'll actually put the link um, in the article. You guys can go check it out or check it out on the website. Uh, if one track this.com. Um, let's talk about the actual race that's going to happen this weekend on Saturday. Um, <laughs> tell us, talk us through qualifying because that is the most important thing when it comes to Monaco. Yeah, it is. It's really about setup and it's really about that one lap pace and it's really about getting the lap in early. So, uh, you know, pending good weather, which at the moment looks, looks fine. It's about getting a lap in early because lots of things can happen at Monaco. It's so tight. And it's so tricky, you make one mistake and there's a red flag and you're in trouble. So I think, uh, you know, qualifying is going to be an hour of mayhem. Everybody getting out on track soon. Just, I want to say, I'm so happy that we're not doing sprint races. I know that we wouldn't probably in Monaco, but I'm so happy that we have a normal race again. <laughs> just, just put it up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so qualifying is going to be, you know, all to play for. And, and I think, of course... Red Bull and Ferrari will be battling. I do think that's really where the race is going to be. But what's really key is what what's happening with the best of the rest. So who's going to put in those laps between Mercedes, Aston Martin, you know, because that's really where you're going to going to end up. And then of course, keeping it out of the walls. Uh, Monaco is famous for mm -hmm. having accidents both in qualifying and then of course in the race. And it you know lots of safety cars. You know, it can be quite a procession, as Korea would like me to say, I'm sure. <laughs> Let's talk about those safety cars, because one of the things that I've seen um, everybody on social media talking about over the last couple of days is the fact that there's a lot of rookies on the track this year. Um, and I say that even though I know that most of them have raced the track in Formula 2 um, and other, you know, forms of motorsport, but it's very different being in a Formula 1 car on Monaco and trying to keep it together Saturday and Sunday. I'm just trying to think. I mean, there's what are these? There's three rookies on the track, eh? Maybe four yeah, if we can't. Maybe four. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, that's why we have practice. And and this is a this is again why I'm sort of relatively happy with the race structure being normal. You know, practice one, two and three is where it all can sort of come undone. And I think by the time they start qualifying on Saturday, their eyes will 
be in, they'll be dialed in, they'll know the track backwards. And it's really about capitalizing on that one lap pace, as we said, in qualifying. And then when it's race day, you know, it's 78 laps of, you know, uh, rinse, dry, repeat. You know, it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> rinse, dry, oh, don't go God. into the wall, repeat. <laughs> rinse, dry, don't go into the wall, repeat. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not I, I'm not concerned about the rookies, to be honest. It's it's, I mean, let's be, if we look at it, I'm just thinking of of history. You know, the people that have made the mistakes are not the rookies. It's Leclerc. It's you know Gasly, Roman Grosjean back Ocon. in the day, Max and yeah. Daniel Ricciardo a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, so no, I mean, look, we, anything could happen, and we'll and we'll see what happens. But I'm not. I, I think it's the guys that are really trying to fight for that point or that extra three points. And I, those are at the front, you know. Yeah. I think those are the guys we've got to worry about. So can I preempt your prediction? Because I feel I have a feeling what it's going to be. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to put only one Red Bull in your top three. And then I think you're going to put a Ferrari and an Aston Martin. <laughs> no. No, no, no okay. uh, am I wrong? No, no ways. Korea, I'm playing it very safe today. So I'm going I'm going Checo for the win because I want Ooh, him to win. Yes. Yeah, and then I'm going Max. And it's probably this is perhaps where things I'm gonna then go Lewis Hamilton third. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That's it's, not it's playing it safe, Avon. <laughs> so the first two, you know, the first two are going to give me my points. In, in... <laughs> but yeah, Hamilton is the wild card. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think that I'm going to take your, your prediction. I'll take your prediction that I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like okay, so what is that? left field It's not even funny. <laughs> It's one third left field, okay. <laughs> no, I okay, think give I'm me gonna, yours. I'm gonna go for a Checo uh, for the win. Um, I feel like there's something gonna go wrong with Max um, somewhere along the line, and um, I would love to see a Leclerc because his Saturday performance has just been top notch, and he's really had some great qualifying mm -hmm. times. Um, and then I'm gonna put um, Alonso there in third. Yeah, I think that's a safe bit. I think it's a safe bit. But, you know, safer safe than bit. Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. And don't, please, everyone listening to this, don't shout at me. I love Lewis. Lewis is great. I just don't think he has the car for this weekend. No, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. You know, it's Monaco. Something's going to happen, and Lewis is going to capitalize on somebody else's misfortune. That is my, uh, that's my theory. Okay. All right. But well, that's why I they can't call <laughs> I cannot wait to see it happen. Avon Middleton, thank you very much for chatting to me today. It's always great catching up with you on uh, Track This. And uh, we'll see you for the next race, which is also just around the corner. Yeah, I can't wait. And then we'll get back to sort of a fairly normal circuit, if that makes sense. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, those are the ones I like, a bit more traditional. <laughs> so yeah, I look forward to it. And I look forward to chatting about whether your prediction or my prediction was good. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I just have, you know what, with your luck and predictions, you're going to annihilate me again this weekend. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Avon. Thanks, Korea. Appreciate it.